Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Well, happy Easter. Like Peter said, my name is Drake Holderman, and I have the joy of being one of the student ministers here at Christ Church. So I feel very at home here in SMC North, and I hope you feel at home as well. I had the privilege of writing this sermon uh, with Mark Christian and Michael DeFazio. So you, uh, you drew the short stick, and you're stuck with me for right now. But uh, I appreciate you being in here, uh, as this is my very first Easter sermon to ever get to preach. So um, we are going to be studying through John. John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. So if you got a Bible, flip your way there or scroll your phone to John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. As you're doing that, uh, I want to set this sermon up. We're going to break our sermon into two parts. The first section is titled, Reasons to Leave Jesus. And then the second section, don't worry, is titled Reasons to Stay with Jesus. We're going to get to that part as well. Now, I got to ask a question of you. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where maybe even audibly you said these words, why am I here right now? You ever found yourself in a situation where you're like, what, why am I in this spot? I have several fears in life, one of which is a fear, a deep fear of sharks. I always say that shark week is the worst week. And, And some people will come up to me and say, you know, it's pretty irrational that you would have a fear of sharks seeing that you live in southwest Missouri. And then I have to explain to these ridiculous people that I am not afraid of being, at, being attacked by a shark driving down Rangeline or eating dinner at Hackett's. I'm afraid of being attacked by a shark when I go to the beach. And also, if you don't tell anybody, kind of like when I'm at Table Rock Lake and other freshwater spots, I'm sort of afraid of sharks there as well. But don't tell anybody. There was one summer where I was interning, as I was a high school ministry intern at this church in Kentucky, and we took a trip of, of a bunch of students to Panama City Beach, Florida, and uh, I had no intention of getting in the water because of this fear of sharks. But I was peer pressured by 15-year-olds to do something kind of crazy. So they, uh, they convinced me to go to Dave's Beach Shack and buy the Explorer 200, which is this two-person orange blow up with your mouth raft. And I bought that. And then they persuaded me to get out into that raft into the water. And I did because I didn't want to look like a wimp. Now, being from Tulsa, Oklahoma, I had no idea what was a riptide or what you might call a rip current or whatever it is. And I got sucked 200 yards away from the shore out into the ocean. And some guy named Julio with a jet ski had to pull me back to the shore. And when I was out there in the ocean, all I could hear was, And I found myself asking the question, why am I here right now? Fresh bait for sharks is all that I felt. We're going to be talking about Jesus. Those of us who leave Jesus, those of us who stay with Jesus. In the next 25 minutes, I hope that I can encourage you to figure out why you've stuck, why you've stayed with Jesus. Why am I here with Jesus? And if you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. Jesus is dead. April Fool's, I had to do it. I'm sorry. Let's pray. (laughs) Somebody had to do it. Will you pray with me? God, we're grateful for this morning to be be here on Easter Sunday. uh, The Sunday that we get to focus entirely on the resurrection of your son, Jesus. 
And God, is it, um, it's, it's, it is weird and fitting that it is April Fool's of a day where we play pranks, but we know that this, this historical event that happened is not a prank that was pulled. It is true. It is reality, and it has an impact for our life. And so, God, I hope that you would, and I ask and I pray that you would allow us to see the power that the resurrection has for us today, this morning, for the rest of our lives. We pray this in our risen Savior's name. Amen. If you've been at Christ Church for the past few weeks, we've been working through John chapter 6. And you'll remember that Jesus um, ran into a crowd of 5,000 plus people. And they were hungry. They didn't have anything to eat other than five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus multiplied this food so that everybody there was filled, was satisfied, and they had leftovers for the next day. They were These people who, who experienced this miracle that Jesus worked for them, they, they were excited about this. They, they, they saw somebody who had done something that nobody else had ever done. And they wanted to make Jesus their king. Now, they had their own intentions for having Jesus be their king. He, they wanted him to be their puppet to do what they wanted him to do. But they realized, this guy has power. Let's make him king. But Jesus had no intention of becoming king. And so he slipped away from the crowd. He went up to a mountainside and then his disciples got into a boat and they went over to the other side of the lake to Capernaum. They crossed the Sea of Galilee and they were there. Jesus was left behind and he had no way to get there. And so he had to use his own two feet and walk across the water. They were scared. They were a little freaked out. They're like, sorry for leaving you. But then the next morning, the crowd's awake and they, they arise and they're like, wait, where's Jesus? Where, where's he at? And so they figure maybe he went to Capernaum, so they ready their boats. They go to the other side of the lake, and they get there, and they're like, wait, there he is. There's the man who can make Wonder Bread. And so they approach Jesus, and they're like, hey, uh, we're hungry again. Give us some breakfast. And then Jesus looks at this crowd, and he says, hold on. I didn't, I didn't come to satisfy your stomach. I came to satisfy your soul. And then he said this really strange kind of line that you would, might never want to say to another group of people, but it's the first I am statement of the seven I am statements in John. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And then he says something even weirder in verses 53 through 56 of John chapter 6. He says this, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. What? So those of us who are desire to be Jesus followers, desire to stay with Jesus, are supposed to eat Jesus? If you're new to church this morning, he's not talking about cannibalism. He's saying that the only way to the Father, the only way to eternal life is through Jesus. He is the only one that will satisfy your soul forever. And then that's where we pick up today in the scripture. John chapter 6, starting at verse 60. I want to read it for us. It's going to be on the screen if you want to follow along. John chapter 6, verse 60 and following. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a... This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Then he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father 
has enabled them. He teaches them. And then from this time on, catch this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now this might seem like an odd scripture to be discussing on Easter Sunday, but I would say even more so, it's an appropriate scripture, an honest scripture to be discussing on Easter Sunday because we can look around and we can see all kinds of people who've decided to not stay with Jesus, but have decided to leave Jesus. And, and just a quick glance would tell us not only that people have decided to leave Jesus, but why people have decided to leave Jesus. And I have three reasons. If you want to write these down, you can. But the first reason that I think people have decided to leave Jesus is that they found something better. People have tried it, traded their, their Bibles for boy bands, their prayers for pornography, their worship for whatever. I couldn't think of a clever alliteration to finish the job, but you get the point. People put Jesus on the shelf, and then they pick up something that they think is going to satisfy their desires, their deepest desires, but it doesn't. They think that they found something better. As a student minister, I see this all the time, when parents will, will put the, the following Jesus saying on the shelf for their entire family so that one of their kids can go play baseball or basketball or football or soccer or volleyball, and they think that their kid's going to be the next Russell Westbrook or Carson Wentz, and, and they give all their time, all their devotion to Little League. This is partly one of the reasons that I quit playing basketball when I was a little kid. There was this mom. It wasn't my mom. It was my friend Matt's mom. Her name was Melinda, and Melinda was straight up crazy. She was like the mom that would run down on the court and try to get in Matt's face and like scream and yell at the refs and she would get kicked out and then you would see her like up in the corner of the bleachers and the other team's side yelling at our team and we're like, who is this lady? But she put all of her time, all of her devotion into her son's sports and then and they got pushed to the side with the whole following Jesus thing because we give our time, our energy, our devotion to something better and Jesus gets put up here on the shelf. The second thing that I've noticed of, of, of people who, who, who leave Jesus is that they don't understand. And I'll be honest with you, if I, was, uh, if I was there that day when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, I would probably have been like, what did, that, what did that guy just say? I'm not about to follow this dude. I'm not about to give my life to that guy. I recognize that following God and understanding what God wants for us is not always as easy as two plus two equals four. So if you're here this morning and you have doubts and you don't understand, then I want you to know it's okay. You can belong in this space right here before you fully believe. But here's what I want you to know. Just because you don't understand in the moment doesn't mean that you leave automatically. Now, I know people have this struggle, but I'm not one of those people. I have the problem of committing to things before I fully understand them, like way too often. You ever heard about Bitcoin? Somebody was telling me that I needed to buy Bitcoin. I was like, I'm gonna buy Bitcoin. So I tried to buy Bitcoin, but I don't even know how to withdraw money from the regular bank account. Where do we bank at, Andrea? I don't even, I don't even know where that is. I, uh, there's a family here called the Gallardo family. They're an awesome family, and they have uh, kayaks. And Andrew and I would go borrow their truck and go to the um, river over here behind Dan McGrew's house, and we would kayak back there. And I was like, I'm about to get me a kayak. And so I bought, like, this carrier from my Toyota Camry just so I could put kayaks on top of the Camry. But we don't have any kayaks anymore. And now I just have a—I'm going to put that on Facebook, buy and sell if anybody wants one of those. But the, the, the most honest one— that I could find is my, my co-workers, Adam Everett and Sam Martin, have been pressuring me for like months to try CrossFit. They said, this will be good for you. It'll get you a six-pack in six years. And I was like, I don't even know if it's that going to be that good for me. But uh, I tried it anyways. I bought, I bought the membership, and I was, 
I was going to CrossFit, and I quickly realized that myself, uh, well, really just me, and well, there's a difference between me and everybody else at CrossFit. You see, my goal of CrossFit is that I didn't want to look like I already had three kids, and uh, everybody else was training for the Hunger Games. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I realized I was not in the right spot for this kind of thing. I don't, but even though I don't have the problem of like committing to something I don't fully understand, like Bitcoin and CrossFit, I do recognize that there are some people who are like, hold, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're a little hesitant to jump in with both feet. It's more of a putting your toe in the water kind of thing. I want you to know that doubts are okay. And this is a place where you can ask questions. But my encouragement to you is don't just leave because you don't fully understand. No, keep learning scripture. Keep listening to godly people. Keep leaning in closer and closer to Jesus. And maybe this will start making just a little bit more sense to you. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean that you don't have to believe. The third one is a big one that I hear all the time. And it's, I'm not good enough. There are people, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to a student over there in SMC East, one of our seventh and eighth graders, and they're, they're on the brink of giving their life to Jesus. And there's something holding them back. And then I hear these words uttered out of their mouth that I'm not good enough. I don't, I'm not worthy. I'm not ready to, I'm not good enough for God. And when we compare ourselves to the holiness and the awesomeness of God, I think the only appropriate response is, I'm not good enough. If you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, I, I see God and what everybody here is doing, and I, I just don't think that me personally, I'm good enough. I want to tell you that you're right where you need to be. That's the gospel. I'm not good enough, but Jesus is more than enough. So if you're here struggling with that, I want, you to, I want to encourage you with some scriptures this morning. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And John 3.16-17 through 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I'm not good enough. Is right where we need to be. That's the gospel. That no matter what kind of sin I committed, no matter how many times I've committed that sin, Jesus is more than enough. And praise God that when God looks at us, he looks at us through the lens of Jesus and his wrath is satisfied and we can now enter into his presence because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. I'm not good enough. I don't understand. I found something better. We could add to this list of reasons of why people will, will meet Jesus face to face, even be called his disciple, and then walk away. Leave Jesus forever. But I don't want to talk about reasons to leave Jesus anymore. I want to turn our conversation to reasons to stay with Jesus. That day when thousands left him, a remnant still remained. It was his 12 disciples, his, his homies, his friends, the guys who had been with him for quite some time now. The 12 disciples. Now, I tried to put myself in this scenario that the disciples were now in on this day when thousands of people had just left their leader, their Jesus. 
And uh, I, I listen to a lot of sermons. I've been a part of like classes where people will preach a sermon. I'm supposed to critique them. And I absolutely hate it when I have to wa- listen to a sermon and the person who preached the sermon will come up to me and say, how'd I do? And it's like, ugh you got to lie and say that they did a great job. It was the best one you'd ever heard kind of thing. And I tried to imagine me listening to a sermon that Mark Christian preaches over there in the worship center. And Mark preaches this sermon and everybody but this church staff leaves. Just get us up in the middle of a sermon and walks out, leaves the worship center. How awkward would that be on staff meeting the next Monday morning? Mark looks at me and says, hey, Drake, how'd I do? I don't know what I would say. And I imagine that Peter and the other disciples are there. It's Monday morning right after this uh, encounter. And and Jesus is leading staff meeting. He says, fellas, boys, how'd I do? It's awkward in the room. Everybody's just kind of twiddling their thumbs. They don't really, I don't know, what do we say to this guy? And then Peter, his hand starts to go up a little bit like this. And everybody's like, no, Peter, you're a bonehead. You say things before you think about things. No, stop, put your hand down. And then Jesus even sees Peter's hand. He's like, "Uh uh-uh. Nope, not calling on him. Uh, Matthew? No? Okay. Peter, what do you got to say? And Peter's like, um, I, I also recognize that I'm a bonehead, and I say things sometimes, but I think I, I have a pretty good reason to stay. And Jesus asked him, are you going to stay? And this is what Peter says. Lord, to who, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. What Peter opens the door to at that statement is the conversation. We've already seen reasons to leave Jesus, but but Peter opens the door to the conversation of reasons to stay with Jesus. And so I want to turn our conversation there right now. The first reason I would tell you, and you can write these down or take notes in your phone, the first reason that those of us who are Jesus followers should, a reason to stay is that Jesus offers a hope that doesn't run out. Jesus offers a hope that doesn't run out. We, we, we live in a world that is broken, that is hurting, and that's easy to prove. I can do it with two words, mercy and freeman. I'm not saying that these are bad establishments. In fact, I think these are fantastic establishments, but their very existence, which means to heal, proves that our world is broken. Not everything is as it should be. The world in which we live is broken because of sin. And everything else that we can try to put our hope into has a shelf life. It has an expiration date. It will at some point die. It comes to a dead end. Everything that is, except for Jesus. The God allowed the Apostle John to see a vision of heaven and what heaven would look like in this hope that we have for eternity, this hope that doesn't run out. And I want to read it to you from Revelation. In Revelation, John writes this, Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. One reason to stay with Jesus is that he offers us a hope that is eternal, a hope that is not run out, a hope that never comes to a dead end, a hope without an expiration date. Jesus offers us a hope that never runs out. 
The second thing on our list is that Jesus offers us a joy that doesn't lead to shame. He offers us a joy that doesn't lead to shame. There are a lot of good things in this life, a lot of good things that bring me happiness. One of the things is ice cream. Anybody in here like ice cream? Anybody here like uh, specifically Anderson's ice creams? If you've ever had Anderson ice cream, thank you, Sam. (laughs) Super good. Uh, My friend Jeff Warden owns Supercharged Smoothies, and his daughter texted Andrea yesterday and said, hey, we have ice cream at the shop now. And I was like, ice cream, I'm going. And so we get there to Supercharged, and the lady behind the ice cream counter is like, how many scoops would you like? And I said, one tub, please. like one tub. And so I get this massive amount of ice cream and I go home and I eat it. And then I'm just on the couch like, that was a bad choice. It was a mistake. It was so good in the moment. That Oreo ice cream tasted so good. But then it was so shameful when I was there on the couch. You would have been like, who is that guy? Jesus offers us a joy that doesn't lead to shame. When I was in high school, um, I had an interesting way of confessing my sin to God. The Bible says that we were to confess our sin to God and other believers, and I had an interesting way of doing that. I'm a big fan of country music. I grew up in the town that Garth Brooks lived in, and so my dad would always have country music on the truck radio, and we were listening to it. And uh, the way that I would confess my sin to God, and I recognize that this is cheesy and embarrassing, and I don't do it anymore, but I would sing a country song to confess my sin to God. It was a song by Chris Young called The Man I Want to Be. And I want to read you the chorus right here. Uh, The chorus goes like this. I want to be a good man, a do-like-I-should man. I want to be the kind of man the mirror likes to see. I want to be a strong man and admit that I was wrong, man. God, I'm asking you to come change me into the man I want to be. Too often we try to find find joy in things that don't last, that lead us to shame. The only thing that will satisfy us forever, bring us joy forever, and a joy that is guilt-free is Jesus and what Jesus offers us. Ice cream, it's pretty good. It's not sinful, but it leads to shame two hours later. Jesus, he offers us a joy that never leads to shame. And so a reason to stay with Jesus, the joy that we have is pure, faultless, guiltless, and shameless. It is pure. The third reason on the list to stay with Jesus is that Jesus offers us a love that doesn't pull any punches. Don't you appreciate the people in your life who love you enough to tell you that you're doing something wrong? We have this weird thing in our culture where we're not supposed to look and observe what another friend is doing and then conclude about what that friend is doing, that what they're doing is wrong, and then proceed to tell our friend, hey, what you're doing right now is wrong. For some reason in our culture, we're not allowed to do that. And I love people who will help me get better. People in my life who say, Drake, you're not doing that right. I worked with my grandpa when I was 12 years old. It was my first job, and it was um, one of the harder jobs that I had to do. My grandpa had high expectations of me on how I would mow the lawn and weed eat and and install air conditioning units and, and pave, like, concrete and stuff like that. I was 12 years old. I'm like, Grandpa, I don't know how to do any of this right now. But he had high expectations of me, and my grandpa would literally, I would be on the lawnmower, and he would follow me along just watching me like this as I am mowing the grass. I'm like, why don't you just do it? And he's picking out, like, don't hit that. Don't, you missed the spot. You missed one blade of grass right there, Drake. And he was helping me get better. Jesus offers us a love that doesn't pull any punches. We live in this world. It's like, hey, do you. I want you to know about Jesus, that when grace walks in the room, 
truth does not leave. And when truth walks in the room, grace does not leave. Jesus came as the light of the world, full of both grace and truth. They are inseparable. They are inseparable. And Jesus offers us a love. I know deep down in our hearts that we want to be better versions of ourselves. We want to get back to the Imago Dei, the image of God in which we were created. And there are people in our lives who will do, say, just do what you want to do. It's fine. And Jesus says, no. There is a way you are to live. There is a standard of living that I expect from my followers to adhere to. The person who loves you is not the person who laughs at your sin. The person who loves you is not the person who makes fun of you about your sin. The person who loves you is the person who looks at you and says, stop sinning. The person who loves you is the person who says, you're better than that. The person who loves you is Jesus who says, I have created you for more than that. I love Mark's line. He says, love does not, does not allow us to settle for less than we were created to be. Jesus offers us a love that says, stop sinning. Sin only leads you to be less than you were created to be. Do not settle. You are made in the image of God. You are a human being with an identity that God has given you. So do not settle. Jesus offers us a love that does not pull any punches. The fourth thing on the list is an answer to a question some of you might be having. You might be wondering, how can I trust that everything that you're saying right now is true? How do I know that Jesus offers a hope that doesn't run out? How do I know he offers a joy that doesn't lead to shame? How do I know he offers a love that doesn't pull any punches? Because Jesus also offers you a promise proven by power. That is the event in which we are celebrating today, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. All of God's promises are completed in Jesus. And Jesus proves to us his ability to come through with his promises because there is an empty tomb. I want to read to you the account of the resurrection. All four Gospels have it in them, but I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone, and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of them that they shook and they became like dead men. Then the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Luke's account says, The angel said to the women, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He does not occupy this tomb anymore. He's alive. He's alive. Jesus offers us a promise proven by power so you can believe that he can bring you a hope that doesn't run out. You can believe that he can bring you a joy that doesn't lead to shame. And you can believe that he offers you a love that doesn't pull any punches because he has offered you a promise proven by power. That day when Jesus gave the sermon and there were a big crowd of his disciples there, They had a choice to make on how they were going to respond to Jesus. Were they going to leave Jesus or were they going to stay with Jesus? And you have an option before you today. Are you going to leave Jesus or are you going to stay with Jesus? And you could say, ah, I got something better going on in my life. Or, you know what, this is cool and all, but I just really don't understand what's going on. Or you could conclude about yourself that you're not good enough. And so you're now disqualified from the grace that God offers you. Or... You could look at this promise of the resurrection, this reality of the resurrection, 
and see that he does offer me a hope that doesn't run out. A joy that doesn't lead to shame and a love that doesn't pull any punches. And my encouragement to you is to say, stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. You might ask that question sometimes as you're sitting here at church or maybe you're at your office building or with your family at home and you're like, why am I here right now? I feel like I'm in an ocean surrounded by nothing except for Jesus. He's the only one that's true. He's the only one that's faithful, that remains. When everything else is a storm, there's Jesus centering me. Why am I here right now? Why have I committed myself to Jesus? Because there's an empty tomb that was once occupied by a dead man. And that man's no longer there anymore because he's alive again and he's risen. And this dead man who is now alive offers me a hope of eternity that never runs out. The joy that I have in this man who is dead but is now alive never leads me to shame. And this man who defeated the grave offers me a love that doesn't pull any punches. He's transforming me back into the image in which I was first created, the image of God. Why am I here? I'm here because of Jesus. I'm here because I have come to know and to believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And so I'm going to stay with Jesus. I'm going to walk down the path. I could walk down any other path. Every other path leads to a dead end with my death. But because of Jesus, I can walk down a path with Him and I can find my life because I'm going to find my life in His life, the life that has come up out of the tomb and leads me into eternity. I'm going to stay with Jesus. Where are you going to go? God, we're here this morning and we're grateful for the opportunity to open up the scripture. Grateful for the opportunity to know that your son is alive. God, the accounts that we have of the resurrection are powerful. But the testimony that we have of our own lives and how we are experiencing the resurrection right now is powerful too. When you came to Lazarus's family, you said, I am the resurrection right now. We believe that, God. We believe that even right now we are finding our life in your son, Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.